0: Welcome back to BelieversBibleSchool.com. This is Pastor Joyce and again coming to you as we are studying the book of 1 Thessalonians. We are in the last chapter, chapter 5, and we're going to finish today. We're going to start with verse 12 and we will go to the end of the chapter. And just as a review, the first half of the chapter we talked about The wrath that was to come upon the earth. And the Apostle Paul was assuring the believers in Thessalonica that they would not have to face the wrath that was coming upon the earth that followed the rapture of the church because they're going to be going in the rapture up to heaven and they will escape the wrath that is coming upon the earth. So he, uh, excuse me, the Apostle Paul, he now. Um, gets off that subject and now he is instructing the church kind of like um, um, to finally say this and um, giving them certain instructions on what they need to know before he closes the letter. So we're going to begin in chapter 5, verse 12, and we will uh, start off. And it says and we urge you, brethren to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Here we have the Apostle Paul urging the Thessalonian believers to do three things in regards to the leaders of their church. It's no different today that this is something that we all should um, do in regards to the leaders of our church. Number one, recognize those who labor over you. Christians are to recognize their leaders and their leadership ability. Now, leaders should be acknowledged by their service, not their title, while God ordained the fivefold ministry gifts for the edifying and believing or the building up of the church, the leaders, they don't simply rely upon their title. they need to be doing the service in which they have been ordained to. Okay, number two, esteem them highly in love for their labor. Nobody, Um, deserves respect simply because of their title or personality, but because of how they minister and serve the Lord over their congregation. Very few congregants realize the work involved by those who have spiritual oversight over them. If a Christian can't esteem and love their pastor, for instance, they either should get on their knees asking the Holy Spirit to change their heart or find another church where they can put themselves under a pastor that they do esteem and love. That's very important. And then be at peace among yourselves. Learn to get along. This is a command from the apostle for all Christians. Get along. You know this is the wish of every pastor who labors in love over their congregates. As such, this is a great way to esteem the leaders of your church as well. A pastor loves when he sees the congregants getting along. Number fourteen and fifteen. Now we exhort your brethren, Warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. It seems that every congregation has challenging people. And the Apostle Paul is warning the leaders of the church, as well as the congregation, on how to deal with such people. The Apostle is urging without being sharp or condemning, rebuking, or with a critical spirit. But he is simply saying, be patient with one another. Never render evil for evil to anyone. Never seek revenge, but instead forgiveness. Pursue good for everyone. Warn those who are self-willed, opinionated, and unruly, those who are out of order. Comfort the timid and those who lack courage. And for those who are suffering grief, stand alongside of them with their pain. Help build up the weak so that they can see their own strength. And don't enable them to stay in their weakness. Number 16, 17, and 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. Remember I said whenever we see this is the will of God. This is coming directly from God. This is not coming from the Apostle Paul, even though he's penning it. This is a direct command from God. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So, in everything, rejoice, always. And the purpose to rejoice is, You do it even in the midst of trials and tribulation. And keep giving everything over to the Lord continuously. Live a life filled with thanksgiving and worship, because this is how God wants you to live. Verses 19, 20, and then we will do um, 20, let's see, 19, 20, 21, and let's... um, also do 22 quenching the spirit do not quench the spirit do not despise prophecy test all things hold fast what is good and abstain from every form of evil so quenching or stopping the move of the spirit can be done really in all areas of our life think about it our indifferences we get distracted maybe drawing attention to oneself or rejecting something of maybe a move of God in the church and we are rejecting it or we're indifferent toward it. And in public worship or prayer, do we allow the quenching of the spirit to stop the flow of God? When the Holy Spirit is personally speaking to us with direction, We have a choice to listen and obey or quench the spirit from flowing within us. And when we listen and obey, the spirit can move to accomplish God's purpose upon the earth. But when quenched, the spirit stops and God's hands are tied. He can't do anything within us when we quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecy. We recognize that the Lord speaks to and through his people today, and we learn to be open to his voice. So prophecy is for today. Do not despise prophecy. But we are to test prophecy. But we're not to despise it. So it is very possible that prophecy can be despised because individuals are abusing gifts or there's idle and and in the Church of Thessalonica they were idlers and who um, and they were idle they had idleness in their prophecy, they were spiritualizing something that they shouldn't. There were date setters, there were end time speculations that were going on. And as we go into the book of 2 Thessalonians, we will see that. But um, we are to test all things, hold fast what is good, and evil and deception can show itself even in a spiritual setting. So it's important that Christians test all things, not despise it, but test it. And when the test has been made, according to has to be filtered through God's word and the discernment of spirits among the leaders, we then hold fast to what is good. And then we abstain from every form of evil. So when the testing is made, any aspect of evil must be rejected. Verse 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He, calls, he who calls you is faithful who also will do it. So as Paul is winding down his letter, he gives a blessing to the Believers at Thessalonica, which was customary for a Jewish father to give to his children, or in this case an apostle, to those that he discipled. And in this blessing, it is like a prayer and an exhortation that God would set them apart for his service completely as they live holy lives before the Lord. Now, while a believer purposes to be obedient to the word of God, God is the one who is setting that believer apart from the world. And the two do work together, as is explained in the last two chapters. But because man is a three-part being made up of spirit, soul, and body, the Apostle Paul is asking these believers to remain pure in all aspects of their life spirit soul and body they need to remain set apart unto self sanctification of our lord jesus christ remember we are a spirit we have a soul and we live in a physical body and in addition the apostle is pointing out that at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, even though our spirit soul has left the body and has died, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, our spirit and soul will be rejoined to our dead bodies, and um, we will be given a glorified body as we meet the Lord in the clouds at the rapture of the church. Hallelujah. Verse 25, brethren, pray for us. The Apostle Paul, he believed in the power of prayer, and it wasn't beneath him to ask for prayer uh, from those he ministered to, which really shows us his humble heart. Verse 26, greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. So why a holy kiss? Similar to our handshake or hug today, the holy kiss was an ancient Christian greeting to express peace to one another. And during the first century, men and women were segregated. The men sat on one side, the women on the other side. So when a holy kiss was exchanged, it was men would give a peck uh, of a kiss on the cheek to another man, and a woman would do the same thing with another woman. You wouldn't have the men and women uh, kissing one another. It was men to men and women to women as a sign of peace. 27. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. So the apostle Paul is stressing that he received a command from the Lord that this letter is to be read to the whole church throughout Thessalonica, including other brothers and sisters they came in contact with in Macedonia, Achaia. And uh, we can feel confident that this began a custom for public reading of Paul's letters to the churches. And it was so this letter wasn't just for the pastors, but the pastor was to read it, to the congregation because it became like a substitute for his personal appearance to them and these letters they were circulated them uh then among other christians and this became uh the beginning of their bible really now this letter Is God's word to us as well. It's part of our Bible. It's part of God's instruction for us. So as such, we need to take them as directly coming from God, even though the apostle Paul penned it, and it's to us, the church. And then the closing salutation, verse 28, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. So this closing salutation of the Apostle Paul's first letter to a church became his customary closing as he finished nearly every letter to the various churches. And so Paul was extending God's grace upon them. And what is God's grace? A simple way, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. So in other words, he is extending God's very, very best to them. And he closes with the word amen, which is a transliteration of the Hebrew word ima. In other words, amen. And so this verb form occurs more than 100 times in the Old Testament. And really the word is to say to us, it's establishing something to be true and so they're putting their stamp of approval on it. So be it. So here we are when he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. We're declaring it to be truth. It is established. Amen. So there we have it. We've gone through the book of First Thessalonians, all five chapters. And um, I believe that you have been blessed through it, you have learned through it, and maybe answered some of your questions regarding the rapture of the church and the wrath that is coming upon the earth. And, of course, as we do more and more videos, a lot more will be coming. So um, at that, then we'll say goodbye and join us with another book of the Bible. And Second Thessalonians should be coming out very, very soon. Okay, God bless you and amen.